When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, 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 and welcome. This is Talk the Plank, episode 65 of Pittsburgh Pirates podcast on SB Nation's Bucks Dugout. I'm Nathan Hirsch, and I'm with Jake Slobodnik. The Pirates didn't get a hit today, Jake. How are we feeling? <laughs> I'm feeling confused. Um, no hits, and we still end up with a win. Why does it strike me that this is definitely only something that the Pirates could do, just because of how inconsistent they are? I'm still trying to piece this together. Yeah, so it is crazy. I would say it's pretty Pirates. The team didn't get a hit today. The Pirates won one nothing against the Reds. Hunter Green was awesome for the Reds, throwing 100 miles like it was nothing. Seven and a third, nine strikeouts. He got the loss, though. He gave up the run. Well, he was responsible for the run that scored. Five walks, though. It's a lot of walks. The Pirates, although they didn't get a hit, they got on base, got on base enough. Brian Hayes in the eighth inning, game-winning go-ahead fielder's choice. And you look at the line here, one run, zero hits, Pirates win. They split with the Reds. They're now 15-19 and 19 on the season. And uh, pretty pretty exciting Sunday, if I say so myself. It's, it's fun to win whenever you put – the most minimal effort possible as someone back to my college days, thinking about putting the most minimal effort ever, ever, you know, getting decent grades enough. I resonate with this win and I thought it was really fun. I more or less resonate with how Hunter green feels doing all the work and then still getting Shanghai in the end. I, I can't say that he threw a bad game. I mean, yeah, I mean, awesome. nine strikeouts, gave up five walks, three of them in his last inning of work, but he threw over, he threw 118 pitches, 69 of them were strikes. I'm, if, I mean, we all know that if this was Derek Shelton managing the Reds, he would have pulled Green in the fifth, despite the accolade going, but uh, we got to credit Hunter Green with throwing a great game. It's just he lost a little bit of control in that eighth. Pirates took advantage of it. They smelled blood in the water and key Brian Hayes. Who else but him would come through in the clutch? RBI uh, on a fielder's choice. And it's so funny because I was actually at the Altoona Curve game. All right. This, and that game was not anything, you know, fun to watch. And so I'm, I have the game cast on my phone and it's progressing through the game. And I'm like, okay, the Pirates aren't getting, getting any hits. Like, when is that moment where the Reds just start taking over? And then all of a sudden, it, we're in the car right after the game. And I see, and I hear on the radio that the Pirates scored one. And here we go to the ninth. <laughs> I mean, I knew once I heard David Bednar was coming in, I knew it was over. But the fact that we won without getting Game a hit, over. I mean, it, it's better to be on this side of history than to lose while getting no hit, which we are, we are familiar with. But uh, this is, yes. this is so uh, weird. Like, I, I don't think any of us pictured this, maybe a series win, maybe loss even just because it seems like that's the common theme against the Reds, but never in my life would I ever thought that I would see the pirates win a game against a divisional rival. Nonetheless, whether the, no matter how good or bad they are 
without getting a hit. I mean, we have a lineup of hitters. We have at least Vogelback, Hayes, and Gamble, who you think would at least get a hit. Maybe Castro is good for a hit here and there, but that I, I don't know how to. I don't know what to think of this game. I mean, how do you comprehend your favorite team getting no hit? but still winning. It's like you want to cheer for the win, but you also have to realize like, oh my God, we didn't get any hits. Like that's a little alarming. But in, in my opinion, this is just a traditional Sunday baseball game for the Pirates, a Sunday ball, a Sunday game. But I'm happy we won. I'm happy that we didn't lose the series to the oh, Reds. Um, uh, albeit in exciting fashion, take it as you wish. But I, I, I don't know. I, like I said, I don't know how to comprehend today. This was something in... We talk about Hunter Green. I have to give credit to Jose Quintana. Another <laughs> he, dude shoved again this Sunday. I mean, three hits allowed over seven innings, five Ks. His ERA on the season now two nineteen eight. Yep. I don't know if we if we can even remember the last time a Pirates starter within the last five years, I'll say, had an ERA under under five, let alone under two twenty. That's impressive. Yeah, Quintana was definitely awesome. And over his last three or four starts, he's just been really solid. I mean, he pitched six scoreless against the Dodgers in the start previous to this one. And the two starts before that, five innings he pitched in each of them, giving up two and one run, respectively. So he's been he has been a gem for the Pirates on the starting pitching side for sure. Seven innings today, scoreless. I I can't remember the last time. A Pirates starter went seven, to be honest. I don't I don't think it's happened this season yet. But, uh, yeah, Quintana was awesome. Stratton held it together. He was a little shaky, but he, he got through the inning, um, not allowing a run. And, of course, Bednar. You just know he's going to slam the, the door shut every single time. A little history here, though. So this is the sixth time since 1901 that a team has won a game without recording a single hit. The last time it happened, uh, the Dodgers beat the Los Angeles Angels. That was in 2008. It happened once in 1992, 1990, 1967, and 1964. That is it. So Pirates kind of making some history today without getting a hit. Uh, just, Just incredible. And... You you said you don't really know how to uh, comprehend this. I'll I'll tell you how. A win is a win. Pirates split the series. They uh, they avoided another embarrassing series loss to the worst team in baseball. The Reds are nine and twenty six. They are not good at all. A win is a win is a win. We'll take it. And um, this is from Alex Stumpf which he tweeted from Elias from the pirates perspective perspective. Sorry. They were no hit in a regulation length game from the reds perspective. It would go in the record books as a quote, no hitter of fewer than nine innings, similar to what Madison Bumgarner did in the seven inning game last year. So technically not like a full, a full, you know, full blown, no hitter per se, but you could safely say the Pirates got no hit, got the win, and yeah, the pitching was huge. Last two games, the pitching has been really, really good, um, giving up one run total over the past 
two games. Zach Thompson was solid in the Saturday game. And, you know, splitting a series overall it doesn't feel great. It doesn't feel terrible. But whenever you drop the first two in the fashion the Pirates did, they just kind of looked lifeless. The the way they were able to react or, uh, you know, get back on track and, you know, rally, that's the word I was looking for, they won the last two games, 15 and 19. You feel slightly better about them, even though they didn't get an con- entire hit. That's crazy, but two wins, you'll take it. And uh, the Pirates, they're they're looking okay. They're looking better than they did Friday evening. So I don't care that they didn't, they didn't get a hit. In fact, I was actually rooting for it. Once they scored, I was like, oh, thank goodness. They're up, shut it down, get the win, no hits. And in that eighth inning, when it was first and second one out, you know, you're still hoping, all right, they, they got to get a hit to get, get, get the run in. But once that third walk loaded the bases up and there was one out bases loaded in my mind, I was like, I think I'd rather see a sack fly than a hit here. And uh, it wasn't a sack fly. It was a fielder's choice, but hilarious. Nonetheless, we'll take it. I'll take it as a fan. I'll take it. I don't care. Uh, Pretty pretty solid weekend. I'll, yeah, uh, I I agree. And going just sticking on to today's game, uh, it, it's one of those scenarios where, okay, we're all right. We're in a way hitting rock bottom. Let's just keep, see if we can keep going. Um, like you said, they had bases loaded, and I, I think we should credit really the plate discipline that the Pirates brought to the game today. Out walking the Reds six to two. Um, yeah, I, if they don't they don't watch those pitches. And if they're a little more antsy to hit, especially Michael Perez, I hate, I, I know giving Michael Perez any sort of credit, uh, you know, yields a groan from the listener, but two walks. walks. Yeah. Two walks. That's not terrible. And I'm, I know he's not hitting much, but he's at least watching pitches. He's making the pitchers work. Daniel Vogelback, he was brought in because he can watch pitches and he drew a walk today. Um, Gamble always a good a good one to watch pitches. It just goes to show how play how disciplined these pirates can be on a really good day. And today's one of those examples. And I'm sure Derek Shelton is really holding his head high over this, or really holding his team to a high standard. You know, he's he obviously is aware that they didn't draw any hits, which is obviously something they're going to work on. But in a way, he he has that mentality of like you said, you win a game. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how great or how pretty it is. As long as you win a game, that's all that really matters. And, you know, it, you know, all these hits don't go in the record books. What record, what goes up is a win or a loss. And if you can get a, a win without getting a hit, it's still a win. You're on a weird side of history and you can credit the, the guys for at least doing some of their job. They may not be putting the ball in play and getting on base that way. They're at least, they're, they're, they're watching the pitches. And if any, I, I always learned from my dad. On base percentage is more valuable than batting average, and this is a good example of that today. For sure, um, I was thinking about this, and I'm I'm thinking uh, I want to know your thoughts. So the Pirates won without getting a hit. Is there any kind of parallel in any other sport? Like, what would this look like? I, and the example I kind of thought of was maybe maybe in football, if a team won, like two to nothing from like a safety only. And that was it. Or maybe, maybe they get like one pick six and they win the game like seven to three or something like that. Do you have, do you have any way of uh, comprehending this from like another sports perspective? Definitely the safety only in football. Because 
I think that's actually happened before. I tried searching it while you were talking about it, but I couldn't I couldn't find anything. But I remember hearing about it one time. But maybe also in hockey, you know, somebody accidentally chipping it into their own net. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, their goalie still pitching essentially a shutout, but them losing. That's the only thing I can really think of. Or like maybe in hockey, like <laughs> the goalie scores on an empty net during like a delayed penalty or something like that. Yeah. It's something crazy like that. Like, obviously, you know, we're, we're talking extremely rare stuff right here. It's only happened in baseball six times since 1901 that the team has won without recording a hit. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's funny. I mean, that's really the only way you can describe it today is funny. Um, yeah, like the pirates, they're just, they're not very good, but there are some positives, I guess. The Pirates were over four with with runners in scoring position, left five on base. Just I I don't know. I don't know what to think. It's it's funny though. And yeah, like basketball, there's no there's no uh comparison, there's no parallel. Um maybe maybe soccer, it's like, yeah, you, you win because of an own goal or something like that, but it's just it's funny. It's just funny to think about that. Yeah, and same thing for like other other secondary sports like lacrosse, field hockey. Like that's it, it's it's weird because it's such a rare event that you can parallel it, but at the same time, a no hit win is in a league of its own. No pun intended. It's it, it's sort of like a I don't want to say a double standard because it's that's not really a double standard. It's more or less like it's not an ironic situation, but you know what I'm saying. Like it it right. It, it fits into another category, but it has a crap category of its own. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. And here we are yet again, another Pirates um, series in which they're outscored by a good amount. They split the series to a piece, but overall, aggregate-wise, they were outscored 13-6. to six. So this is, this is now – man, they've – They've been outscored in every series since the Tigers doubleheader, uh, I don't know, 10 or so games ago. And you look at it here, if you look at the standings, the Pirates still, their run differential is just, it's bad. They're at minus 56 runs, although I will say, not last. The Reds are still in last in Major League Baseball, but the Pirates are catching up. Uh, the Reds are at minus 65 on the run differential all season long. Pirates are at minus 56. So those are the two worst teams in baseball. The next worst after that, this is this is funny but sad, but the next worst after that is the Kansas City Royals. They're at minus 44 runs. So there's a gap between the Reds and the Pirates and everyone else. But that said, Pirates are only four games under 500. They're in third place in the division. Uh, they're not currently one of the worst teams in baseball record-wise, so I don't care. I'll enjoy the wins while I can take them. Yeah, and you look at it, like you said, they're not the worst team in baseball, despite how, you know, it may be, be so painful to watch them play every game because it seems like the team is so much worse than they are. But four games under 500 in the middle of May, third in the division, albeit an extremely weak division. That's a lot to smile about, and uh, I don't want to credit the coaching somewhat. Maybe you want to credit 
some breakout players this season, Key Brian Hayes being who he he was, was predicted to be. I think if we didn't if we don't have Daniel Vogelback and Jose Quintana on this team, plus a very overachieving bullpen, we would be right at the bottom with Cincinnati. But I'm I'm really glad that some of these guys stepped up in a year that is probably not going to go the way they we would hope. They're going to step up and try to win as many games as possible. And uh, and I think a lot of that also stems from the culture of the clubhouse. I mean, you see Daniel Vogel back leading the guys in, in, in just being positive, being a good body of light, a good veteran presence for him. Same with Quintana, which, by the way, Quintana, congratulations, 10 years of service in the MLB. That in of itself deserves some recognition. Um, Roberto Perez was obviously somebody who can hype up the clubhouse, but unfortunately he's injured. Um, overall, these guys are just happy to be playing ball. They're not, you know, it's not like the the losing keeps weighing on their head. They know that they're not where they should be, but they still have fun with it. And I think that's what that's what sort of transcends into the success that they're having. I mean, I mean, St. Louis is pretty close to us too. I mean, we're only four and a half games away from them, and only six games away from the top of the division. Which I know that's a long stretch. And considering the NL Central is a weak division, it may seem like there's no notoriety behind that. But that's still impressive considering the 2022 Pirates were counted out by 99.9% of people prior to the start of the season. So this is a definitely impressive spot. And I think once we see these young bodies like O'Neill Cruz and um, hopefully Mason Martin and Cal Mitchell all get promoted to the MLB within the next few weeks, I'm going to say month or two because that seems to be where we're headed. I think it's going to – we're only heading upwards. There, there doesn't seem to be much – um, you know, much room for a, a dissent here, unless things just go completely wrong. Yeah, and if you look at it right now, they're 15 and 19. At this point last season, I just looked it up, they were 14 and 20. So they're kind of on the same pace as last year. But last year in May, that's when the wheels really started to fall off. The end of May last year, they went from 14 and 20, and then a few weeks later, they were 20 and 33 so if the pirates i mean looking at the schedule here if they can hold it together for the rest of this month and i kind of hinted at this on the last podcast the schedule it's it's tough but it's not like you know it's not like a buzzsaw it's not crazy they go at chicago starting tomorrow monday through wednesday three games with chicago the pirates have handled chicago pretty well this season i i think that you know, there's a world where they win two out of two out of three games there. Then they come back home against St. Louis. They've only played St. Louis one time this season. That was to open the season. Um, I don't know. St. Louis doesn't impress me that much. They're good. They're probably going to get their 88 to 90 wins and sneak slimily into the playoffs like they always do. But I don't St. Louis doesn't really impress me that much. After that, they host three against Colorado. Once again, that's another team this season that's kind of overachieving a little bit. Colorado is actually over 500. They're 17 and 16. Um, once again, that's that, that's not exactly a, a super team there. Colorado, their run differential is minus 27, so they've been pretty lucky this season. I think the Pirates could win some of those games. So that, those are the next nine games. I mean, I, I think there's a chance that they could win six of those games, maybe five of those games. And we're looking at that point, then they would be perhaps what? They'd be 20 and 24, something like that. And we would 
we'd have a nice chunk into the season and the pirates, I'm not saying they're going to be relevant or make any type of push at any type of serious winning. But when comparing this year's team to last year's team, you definitely want to see an improvement. And hopefully after this next stretch of nine games or so, you can say, all right, they're 21 and 23. They're 20 and 24. They're better at this point this year than they were last year. And I, I think that should be the goal. And obviously we remember uh, last last year the Pirates won 60 games. They went 60 and 101. Who, who, who says they can't win 70 games this year? So they're uh, they're making they're making positive steps. I know a bad division helps, but I I would like to see them win a lot of these games coming up here. And like you said, it's not impossible. I mean, we've shown that we can stick with the Dodgers and the Padres, who we finish out May with. Colorado is, in my in my opinion, getting lucky. I mean, if it weren't for Connor Joe and Elias Diaz, ironically, both former guys within the Pirates organization, um, and then some overachieving pitchers. I mean, they'd probably be at the bottom of the barrel too. And like, I agree with you about St. Louis. They're not tremendous by any means. Yeah. They got a good, a few good players. And like you said, they're going to slimily move into the playoff race, but they're not, they're not world beaters. So I think we can, right. we can definitely hang with them and Cubs being the Cubs. I mean, we got them coming up next. So I think it's, it's going to look promising. My big thing for the pirates is what, how they respond in the second half of the season, because there always seems to be that second half collapse that they have, no matter how well or how poorly they do in that first, in that first half, they always seem to find a way to just completely find a new way to just go down. And I think that's always in the second half. And it might be because they already know they're out of the playoff race or, you know, the Steelers are coming to town soon. I don't know what they do in that second half, but they always seem worse for wear. So I'm, I want to be very optimistic about this first half that they're putting on, but I also need to be cautious. And I think so do other people because that second half collapse is what we need to look forward to. If, if they can hold that off and at least sort of lighten the blow a little bit, I think they'll, they'll, they'll definitely be in a lot better shape than they were last year. But if they, if they continue to have that downward spiral, like they have in recent years, then all of this talk about how they're performing in the first half is going to go right down the dumpster with them. So it's, I, I am enjoying it for the time being, but I'm, I also can't get too ahead of myself to the point where I believe that this is going to be a big turnaround year for them. Yeah. And I think too, in the second half, uh, the pirates, it'll be tough because who knows at the trade deadline, if they decide to ship away Vogelbach or Quintana or these nice veterans that are kind of leading the way right now, ship them away because they're only on one year deals. Anyways, might as well get something for them, I guess. Although at this point, I, I don't even know if that's worth it anymore, but that's definitely a reason why these collapses happen. But on the other hand, I do think soon enough, we're going to get some of these prospects called up like O'Neill Cruz, like Rohanzi Contreras. Uh, we should mention that Rodolfo Castro, like minutes after we recorded our last podcast was called up and uh, salute to Cole Tucker. He is no longer with the team. He's down in AAA. Um, so some of these prospects are going to get called up. That should help. You know, you replace the Cole Tucker at bats. You replace the Josh Van Meter at bats with at bats from O'Neill Cruz. Hopefully that helps out a lot. And I, I keep, you know, harping on it here, but I think Brian Reynolds at some point here has to pick it up 
and that will definitely help. And, you know, I, I, I am optimistic. I do think the pitching is coming along this series. Uh, we saw a really great start from Zach Thompson. So that's encouraging. Although JT Brubaker, Mitch Keller, not, not too, too great, but, uh, whatever, I guess not everything can be, uh, super peachy, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting thing to think about how, how, the rest of the season is going to look. Uh, is there any other takeaways you had from this red series? Um, I think with Rodolfo Castro, give him some time to really start heating up. I understand that he didn't have the best weekend in Cincinnati after being called up. Uh, but I think his time is coming. I think he just needs to get more acclimated to the game. Um, and I think he'll get more opportunities as time goes on. Josh Van Meter, I have learned is going to sneak his way into the lineup. Every goddamn game. There is no, you could, right. You could call up O'Neill Cruz, G1 Bay, every Nick Gonzalez, Leo Piguero, everybody in the pirate system that is great, and they will still prioritize Josh Van Meter over them. God knows why, but I mean, he's I, I don't know. I can't pinpoint why exactly Josh Van Meter is so loved, but that's one thing I've had that's taken away. Uh yeah, Thompson's Thompson's outing was really good and really promising. I think maybe it was just one bad start for him throughout the season because I mean, he pitched well when he was sick and he pitched well this past week or, you know, yesterday too, at the time of us recording. So, I, I mean, I think he's still a good arm. I think it's just, he had one, maybe two bad outings that, and then, I mean, all pitchers are going to have that. That's something you can't avoid as a, as a pitcher at all. So I'd say we just, you know, take it with what it is and that he's going to, he's on the mend for that. Um, trying to think what else. Cause I did have a, a few takeaways, but I honestly forget the rest of them, but those are at least the main ones that I have. JT yeah. Rubin and Mitch Keller are still going to do their thing. So I'm not even going to try to, I'm not even going to touch them. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. And I guess we could cover some of these transactions this weekend. Uh, Sam Howard was claimed by the Detroit Tigers. So he is no longer with the pirates. Uh, Cam Aldred was called up for a game sent back down because the pirates claimed Tyler Bede. Tyler Bede is he's he's an arm. He's an arm. And uh kind of sad to see it, but Bo Salser was DFA'd and he was picked up by the Baltimore Orioles. So it's kind of interesting. Of of all the players that the Pirates have DFA'd this year, it seems like they're all getting claimed by other teams. I don't know if that's a good sign that they were talented enough in the first place to get claimed, or a bad sign that the Pirates are letting these seemingly decent arms go for nothing but Bo Salser with the Orioles Sam Howard with the Tigers and the Pirates get Tyler is it Beatty I think it's Tyler Beatty yeah Beatty it's 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 Tyler Beatty um Sam Howard I don't really care about he was washed anyway so Tigers can have him I was more pissed about Bo Salser he was good yeah that's your guy well, it's not so much me him being my guy. It's the fact that he was good and he had one yeah. bad relief outing for the Pirates, but he preceded that with about four, maybe five good outings. So I don't know why the hell we DFA'd him and got rid of him so quickly. And it's just so funny that Cam Aldred is still on the 40 man roster. I, I mean, I'm not, that's not discrediting Aldred at all, but I mean, I thought Bo could have been a good arm for us whenever, you know, when he came up, I thought, you know, call him up later in the season, have him be a mainstay in the bullpen because I'm telling you what Heath Henry is starting to piss me off. So I would like yeah. to see him go and I would have loved to have Bo Salser in that pen instead. Um, so yeah, I don't know 
why we got rid of Salser. I understand Howard. He was given chance, chance, chance after chance after chance. And until the crackdown of the sticky stuff, he was good. But then after that, he sucked. So I kind of got rid of him. Um, Tyler Beatty. I saw a meme on Twitter the other day and it was of Ben. It was of somebody with wide eyes and it said Ben Charrington. Every, anytime he hears former first round pick. Mm. Um, and that's that what was a Neil Huntington thing too. No, oh, yeah. Well, he was a former first round pick, I think, out of uh, was it Nova? It doesn't really matter. He's not that good of a pitcher anyway. So, um, I don't know. I I kind of agree with all of these, except um, except Bo Salser. But that it it is what it is. He's on the Orioles now. Uh, hopefully, we never have to face him in the World Series scenario where he shuts us down. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I have tremendous respect for Bo Salser. He was a, he worked his ass off because I saw him a few times in the minors and. He was good. He had a hit. He had a few hits too on offense, which was pretty pretty cool. But um, yeah, all the best of luck to him. Hopefully, Sam Howard can pick himself back up in Detroit. But I doubt that. And Tyler Beatty, welcome to Pittsburgh. Um, we would prefer it if he didn't suck. But again, we wouldn't. It's not like we're expecting you to be lights out either. Yeah, we'll see. And I'll say this about Beatty: um, this season, nine and two thirds innings. He has walked more than he has struck out. Hasn't been good at all. In 2019, though, he did pitch 117 innings, and he started 22 games. Definitely a reliever now. I mean, his fastball sits in the mid to upper 90s, which I guess is nice. But, yeah, kind of like you hinted at, like what what makes him so much better than Bo Salser, and why did we feel the need to claim him and get rid of Salser? It doesn't really seem like that big of an upgrade if an upgrade at all it might be a downgrade who knows we'll see how it works out but i guess we will see how it works out and bd is primarily out of the bullpen he hasn't started a game since 2019 didn't pitch in 2020 and in 2021 he only pitched one inning so hasn't really pitched a lot over the past few years but the pirates will give him a chance so we'll see how that works out before we get out of here uh we'll just look at the uh, Pirates-Cubs series real quick. The Pirates don't have a listed starter for the Monday game, but they'll oppose Wade Miley. In the Tuesday game, we get JT Brubaker. The Cubs don't have a posted starter for that game. And then in the Wednesday game, it'll be Mitch Keller against Drew Smiley. I'm just going to say it. The Pirates win two out of these three. They get their righty-heavy lineup against the pair of lefties here. And I think... You know, with how the season's going, Brubaker and Keller will bounce back. And, you know, that'll that'll continue the roller coaster of their careers. Yeah. Um, Keller and Brubaker, I don't know about them, but <laughs> it is what it is. They'll trot them out there every day for the rest of the season. We'll see how they do. But, I mean, if I had to pick between one of them or both of them, who I think would have a better bounce back, I think it's JT Brubaker just because of his, you know, his break on his pitches that he has, whereas Keller just seems to throw straight darts that people launch out of the park. But who knows? Maybe one, if not both of them, will rebound. We can only hope. Yeah, I guess, though, too, in his last start, Brubaker wasn't too bad. Five innings pitched, two earned runs, but still got the loss. Um, All right, we'll wrap things up there. The Pirates were no hit today, but they won. Not sure how to feel about that even now after recording this podcast, but a win is a win. 
Hitting is overrated anyway. Just draw walks and drive runners in. It's called productive outs. And don't allow any runs. That's how you win without getting a hit. That's what the Pirates did today. Jake, you want to give us your Twitter before we get out of here? Sure, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Radio Jake. Awesome. Find me on Twitter at Nathan underscore Hirsch. And you spell Hirsch, H-U-R-S-H. And, of course, follow Bucks Dugout on Twitter as well. Got some great articles up there, as well as this awesome podcast that you're listening to right now on Spotify Live. But, uh, you know, you're probably listening. If you're not listening live now, you're probably on Apple or something like that. Anywhere where you get your podcast, blah, 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 blah. We will be back Wednesday afternoon after the conclusion of the Cubs series and hopefully the Pirates somehow, some way they're finding new and exciting ways to win, but at least they're winning some of the times. We'll see what they can do this week against the Cubs. Hopefully they can pull out a few wins here. Jake, any last thoughts before we get out of here? No, sir. We'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. All right, everyone have a great rest of your day and peace out.